I tell you, we have had a fun weekend, and the Lord has met with us, and I told my wife last night, I said, you know, she said, how's it going? I said, you know, there's just something about Sherwood that the people just pull it out of you, you know, and because you're so hungry to be all God wants you to be. And this morning, I really believe the Lord has something he wants to say to us. So only God can communicate this in a way that would bring permanent lasting change. So I wonder if you would just bow one more time with me and let's ask the Lord to speak to us in this next moment. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning and we thank you, Lord, that you have made a place in your house for us. Lord, hallelujah. That we can come right into your presence and we can enjoy your presence, we can be equipped in your presence, we can be empowered in your presence, and we literally, Lord, can bring your presence from heaven to earth. We can pray your kingdom down, Lord. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is right now being done in heaven. But Father, we know there are great adversaries. And I pray, Father, you would prepare us for what we're facing. And Lord, prepare this church in, in even greater ways this morning so that the advance, the rapid advance of the kingdom of God would occur in Albany, Georgia and around the world. So, Father, this is for you. We're preaching and praying and surrendering our lives for you, not for us, not for our name, not for our comfort, not for our mere pleasure. Father, we ask that you would answer this prayer and the many prayers that have been prayed by this church for the sake of your name and for the sake of your kingdom. So, Lord, do your work in this place. And we will give you praise and glory and honor for the great Father that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want you to imagine with me that uh, there is a, a Marine who has uh, gone through his training. And this is a Marine that has gone to Special Forces training. He's in the Marine Recon and uh, he learns everything you need to know. These guys are unbelievable. Some of you men here have been in the Marines. And he learns all about his uh, tools for warfare. He learns all about the enemy. And then that's all uh, done for him and with him because he's going to the battlefield, right? I mean, that's why he's equipped is to protect and to serve and to go to the battlefield. And so let's say that this Marine goes to the front lines of the battle, right? And they get in a, a massive firefight, and there are people's lives at stake that they're trying to rescue. His life is at stake, and his buddies' lives are at stake. I mean, this is, this is something like most of us have never experienced in our life. But for some reason, for some strange reason, this Marine in the middle of these bullets firing everywhere never picks up his gun. And everybody's firing and everybody's fighting and they look around and he's, he's just got his gun on his sling on his shoulder. And then, and then he crawls over to the commander that, of that group and, and he says, by the way, 
when am I supposed to use this gun? Well, you know, this guy, number one, uh, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you right? But how ludicrous to think that a well-trained Marine would not know when to use his weapon, right? And these last few hours over this weekend, we have learned together, we've seen together why we should pray, why this is so absolutely critical that we pray. And we've looked yesterday at how to pray, how to enter into the presence of the Lord and to live there and to move around in God's presence and to see what's going on in heaven and how to bring heaven down to earth. And we saw yesterday what to pray. We walked through this this exhaustive method that Jesus gave us that that works every time that uh, we can pray right through and know how to spend an hour in prayer, how to spend all kinds of time in prayer. We've learned something about what to pray in fresh new ways. But this morning, I want us to look at when do I pray? When do I pick up the gun? When do I utilize this incredible tool, this unbelievable weapon that God has given us? And in order to see this, though, uh, and answer that question in just a moment, we've got to see something of the situation that we're in. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. In just a moment, we're going to begin with verse 10. And I want you to see two or three things in this incredible passage about spiritual warfare. Now notice, first of all, with me in this passage, that we have an unceasing enemy. We have an unceasing enemy. Here's how he says this in verse 10. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything that you will be able to stand firm. Now, I want us just to expose the enemy. He doesn't like this. He's been He's been after me all night about this because he knows this is going to expose him a little bit. But I just wanted you to know that, first of all, our enemy has powerful but temporary authority. He has powerful authority, but it's temporary authority. He says in this passage, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But now look at this. It's against rulers. So there are, there are demonic entities that rule over things. Maybe they rule over cities. Maybe they rule over households. Maybe they rule over areas of our government. Maybe, they, maybe their area of, of uh, leadership is uh, in entertainment. I kind of think there's one there. And <clears throat> but there are rulers. And then he says there are powers 
So not only are these people, are these uh, entities that we wrestle against, these enemies that we face, not only do they have some level of rule, in fact, the Bible calls the devil the prince of the power of the air, and he has this delegated authority for a while, but he has power, and his minions have power, right? Rulers, powers, now look at this, world forces of this darkness world forces this is not just confined to this one little area or this other little area these enemies are all over the world and they are affecting the world and they are after the world and by by the way uh, jesus said this enemy has come to do three things to steal and to kill and to destroy wonderful guy this enemy right he lives to steal to kill and to destroy and he and his army his enemies his uh, his uh, soldiers are all across the world there are world forces of this present darkness and then he says they are spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places he's describing the nature of what they're trying to do they're just wicked they're wicked you know we get pretty isolated in the church don't we i mean we got this little bubble and uh i was talking to one of our staff and he said you know i i go every day from my house which is warm safe prayed over my kids we're seeking to walk with the lord and i get in my car and i go down i-430 in little rock and i come to the church and the church is warm safe prayed over I'm with my buddies in Christ, and he said, that's kind of the path of my life. And I do other things. I go to the grocery store. I do these other things. But he said, if you're not careful, you can get completely isolated. But I want to tell you something, uh, and, and, and most of the people that you meet are not just wicked, just wicked. But I want to tell you something. The world around us is filled with spiritual forces of wickedness, of wickedness in the heavenly places. I could illustrate that very clearly. Just turn on the television set, and you'll see this everywhere around us. So we have this enemy who has powerful but temporary. It's not going to last. Somebody say hallelujah. It's not going to last. It's temporary authority. Secondly, he has schemes that are designed to make us fall. He said, you want to get the full armor of God on so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is the word methodia. We get the word uh, method from that, right? So the Bible talks about the Lord's ways. Uh, it talks about it many times, in fact. In fact, David said, Lord, I want to know your ways so that I may know you. In other words, if you don't understand the ways of God, how he operates and what he does, and we can't understand all of those, but if you don't understand the common ways of God, you'll find yourself sometimes going at cross purposes with God, right? If you know God's ways and you want to be involved in that, you can join in with the ways of God right? So it's important to study the Bible, to read the Bible every day so that we would know the ways of God. But I want to tell you somebody else who has ways, and that's your enemy.
He's got methods. He's got schemes. Now, I, I, I believe that he's got schemes for Michael Catt. I believe he's got schemes for Bill. I believe he's got schemes for Ken. I believe he's got schemes that he wants to use for Jim. And I listen, don't be mistaken about this. The devil has schemes with your name on it. For some of us, we just, we just never learn. And he doesn't have to do much. He just says, well, I'll just dangle this bait over here, and I got him. No big deal. He never fights me. He, he always gives in. I know this little pornography scheme I've got with him. I know this little, this little pleasure scheme. I know this little materialism scheme I've got with him. I know this pride scheme, and all I have to do is just whisper in his ear just a little bit, and, uh, and I've got him. You know, I, I told you uh, if you were here and uh, about this movement of God that happened in our church in 2011 uh, where God just came in an extraordinary manifestation of his power for five weeks every night. Uh, just God did amazing things. And one of the things that happened to me personally, I don't tell this very much, <clears throat> personally was we were, we were caught up in the atmosphere of the presence of God, and it was so thick that, that, that you didn't want to quench the spirit, and you were just listening all day long. And I heard the Lord's voice in the most exquisite, clear, simple, constant way all day long. But I want to tell you something else I heard. I heard the enemy. And he just kept whispering all day long, just fiery darts. He'd say, we, we one night baptized, I think, 14 people that just got saved in the service and walked up the baptistry and got baptized in street clothes. Unbelievable. We don't normally do that. But God was just moving. And, and uh, the next day I was talking to somebody, and, uh, and the devil just said, well, just, I was talking to somebody, he said, well, just tell me you had about 15 people. Well, it was 14 people. I know what it was. Lie. Exaggerate so you'll look a little bit better, Bill. He was appealing. He knows one of his schemes with me is the temptation to pride. I've fallen to it so many more times than I wish I had. But I'm starting to wise up, Michael. I'm starting to realize that voice that's coming is his scheme to trap me up, to lay down my weapons, and to let the enemy have his day in my life and the life of our church and the life of my family. And I want to tell you something. I'm a little tired of it. Right? But the reason you need to pray is because there are powerful, although temporary, authorities, and they have schemes. They're designed to make you fall. How do you think it happens that some godly person that you thought was walking with the Lord, and one day they fell horribly and became an embarrassment to the kingdom of God? And you say, well, it's the weakness of the flesh. It's the world. It's the flesh. It's the devil, though. I want to tell you something. He was plotting schemes to get them all along. And we make our choices, but he has schemes. And if you're naive about that, you're going, to be, you're going to get caught. And he's going to take you down. And there's nothing the devil wants to do more than destroy and cover the light 
of God in one of God's children. That's his greatest victory because we are the light in this world. There are schemes, but look at this. There is an evil environment in which to work that he has to work in. He says, I want you to be able to take up the armor of God so that you're able to resist in the evil day. I want to tell you something that's happened in the last four or five years. I, I watched the news, you watched the news. There was a time in our nation when godless people saw evil as evil. They knew it was evil, but they were choosing evil. But you read the downward spiral of Romans chapter 1. When we increasingly ignore God and we worship and serve the creature more than the creator, and three times in that passage in Romans 1 it says God gave them up. God gave them up to degrading passions. And then it says this, God gave them up to a reprobate mind. When you study that word, it's a word about judgment, and it's anti-judgment. And what it means is that a, rep a man with a reprobate mind can look at evil and he really, really thinks it's good. He can look at good and he really thinks it's the most evil thing in the world. And I want to tell you something. I've watched in these last five or six years, it's unbelievable. People coming out and saying these things and I just think, how in the world could they possibly think that it's good for us to murder babies? How could that be? How could anybody in his, in his sane mind think that that's true? But I want to tell you something. Some people think that that's the very best thing. And so they're going to argue, argue for it. They're going to legislate for it. They're going to push for it because it's good. It's the best thing for me. It's the best thing for my family. It's the best thing for people. It's the best thing for our nation. And I want to tell you something. We are living in our nation in an increasingly evil day. And what happens in an evil day? There's a day when, when righteousness, you know the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, right? Righteousness protects a nation, Righteousness puts a wall about a nation in some ways, but when the walls are down, as Nehemiah said, and the gates are burned with fire, the enemy has the freedom to go wherever he wants and do whatever is in his heart to do. Now, folks, listen. Who in the world can protect us from this evil? And what in the world is capable of penetrating this evil to advance the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God in our nation. We have an unceasing enemy. And that unceasing enemy means, secondly, we have an unceasing struggle, right? We're in a battle. He says it like this in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
You get in a, you get in a, a, a situation in your family and you're fighting for your life and your family. I'm just going to tell you, there are people involved. We make our choices. But ultimately, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against these rulers and powers and world forces and spiritual forces of wickedness. Therefore, he says in verse 13, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to do your job, which is to resist in the evil day and to stand firm, right? Now look, look at that verse 13. If you don't cooperate with God, and if you don't pick up your weapon, and if you don't put on the full armor of God, you will not be able. You will not be able to resist, and you will not be able to stand firm. And so he says, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting you in on something, Paul says, and God is saying to us, there is a war raging and that means there is an unceasing struggle that we're in that word struggle means close intense hand-to-hand combat that's the word that's used and he says this our struggle you know what that means that means it's your struggle it's not just michael's struggle you say well man michael's on the front lines and he's doing that well he is but i want to tell you something you, you think that Satan's just after him and nobody else in the world? He's after you, right? Because you have a sphere of people that, that you are the light and the salt to. And if that light is, is dis- extinguished and put under a, 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 a bushel packet, basket, they don't get the light. They don't see. It's not clear. There's no salt to preserve. If you don't do what you were created to do. So what the enemy is doing is he's dispatching his minions and he's saying, look, I want you to go over here and I want you to take this brother and I want you to take this lady right here and I want you to use your schemes, everything you've got, and I want you to just take them out. And that may not be, by the way, that we hear that you've, you've been in a horrendous affair or something like that. It may be that he just immobilizes you and you're a nice Christian with no power and no light and no salt. So we have an unceasing enemy, which means we have an unceasing struggle. And so he comes and he tells us about this. My, my son, David, which you are supporting in a church planning, and both my sons are there in Seattle. And by the way, thank you, Jesus, for Sherwood Church and for supporting these church planters. My son is one of them in Seattle, Washington. David served for several years as a missionary journeyman in Cambodia. And uh, he said, when I first got over there, I kept, I kept seeing these children that had no arms, or they'd have, they'd have one leg was gone, or another, both legs were gone. And finally, there were so many of them that I said to the missionary that had been there for a while, I said, I, I, am I just crazy? Or he said, is there just a, a huge disproportionate number of disabled children with no arms or legs? He said, oh, no, you're, you're seeing it right. And, and the reason is because when Pol Pot was there and the killing fields and they killed a million people, they covered the land around Phnom Penh with minefields. 
and they didn't pick up all those mines. And so these kids, they go out to play in a beautiful field, and it's a minefield. They're just naive about it. They don't know what, what's there. And I'm just telling you that the world we live in is a minefield, and if you're not aware and using God's tools, you don't understand the struggle that you're really in, and you can become a casualty of war. So, you say, Bill, so far this isn't sounding too good. <laughs> but I want to tell you that all of that, all of that is something God knows and God has a way of incredible victory for us. And he says, because you're in this battle, you need to do two or three things. Number one, you need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. One time I was, uh, I was to preach the next morning three services uh, in our church, and, and on Saturday night I got deathly ill. I mean, I just... I don't even want to describe it to you. It was horrible. And I was up all night, you know, just sick, and my body was just drained, and I, and I, I, um, I came to church. I, I almost called my, one of our other pastors and said, man, you're going to have to take, preach this morning. But I thought, no, I had this important message on my heart. And so I came to a little side room, and I was praying to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't have any strength to preach this message and the Lord just said to me in the way that he speaks to our hearts he said to me Bill who said this was about your strength I said oh <laughs> okay Lord you are strength and you live in me so Lord would you be yourself through me today and strengthen me I want to tell you something if I'm lying I'm dying I preached like a house on fire that day. <laughs> and then I went home that afternoon and completely collapsed for about two days. God is our strength. If you try to fight the enemy in your strength, he's just going to laugh at you. But you can go in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. Paul knew this. Paul said, I had this, this uh, disability. I cried out. It must have been pretty intense. I cried out three times, Lord, take this thorn of the flesh away. And he said, Paul, I'm going to leave that there because it's going to drive you to call on me and depend upon me for your strength to just live and breathe and move and minister. And my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is going to be perfected through your weakness. So Paul knew what he's talking about. He said, look, if you're going to fight this enemy and be in this struggle, you need to be consistently every day in the strength of the Lord. And then secondly, you need to be clothed in his armor. And we don't have time to walk through this. I'm sure you've done that before. You ought to study this. But, but he says there are pieces of armor that God has provided to protect us. The helmet of salvation the breastplate of Christ's righteousness, our loins girded about with truth and truthfulness, our feet shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're to take up the shield of faith, which the image was the 
full body shield of the Roman soldier that had a vacuum between two pieces of leather so any flaming arrow that came would be instantly extinguished and then you take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then he says something else but he says you've got to be clothed every day in the armor of God if you're going to be able be able to resist the enemy and you say well then then what I do and here's where we're headed be praying in the spirit be praying in the spirit now look at this verse in verse 18 he says with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view beyond the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints now if you were here yesterday you heard me talk about our lives like the top of a cliff and my life you can just look at my life there the groundwork of my life my social life my financial life my family life all those little pieces of that ground and they used to all belong to satan i was a child of the enemy ephesians 2 but when i came to christ christ staked his flag and bought the title deed with his blood amen so my life lock stock and barrel belongs to jesus so the reality is when Satan comes up over that cliff and he's trying to take a little area of my life, which he's constantly trying to do, I can resist him firm in my faith and he must, he must leave. Resist the devil and he will think about leaving. Is that what it says? Resist the devil and he will flee. That means run away. He runs away. And we have this power, and it's found in prayer, in spiritual warfare praying, that we can stand. You don't have to scream or shout or say anything, you know, some big incantation. You can just stand before the enemy and say, you know what? I belong to Jesus. Everything about me belongs to Jesus. Satan, you don't have any legal right to my life, my mind, my family, my time, none of that, it all belongs to Jesus. I've given it to Jesus. And so get out of here. Be gone. And he must flee. Last night at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, my heart was racing, and I was having the most um, intense nightmare I may have ever had in my life and it was I won't tell you the details I don't want to rehearse it but it was the enemy after me and my wife and everywhere I turned in my dream I couldn't get I couldn't get away from it and I woke up I was breathing hard my my, my heart was racing and there was just fear in my heart I and instantly, though, I thought, I know what this is. I know his schemes. This is the devil. And I just resisted him in the name of Christ. You know what? He left. Peace came. About five minutes later, he circled around the house and came back. I had to do it again. I got up over at the Strauss house, 
And I walked through that house just reminding him that this house belongs to Jesus. And he has no room here. Went back to bed, absolute peace. About 10 minutes later, he'd walked around the corner and come back again. And this went on for about 45 minutes this morning. Finally, I, just resisting the devil and standing firm, he was gone. And I picked up my notes for this morning, and all of a sudden, God said to me, Now, Bill, I want to show you something. And some of what I'm telling you this morning came out of last night from 2 to 4 o'clock as God was speaking. And at one point, Michael, I just laughed. I said, Satan, look what God just did. He took what you meant for evil and worked it for his good. Amen. Amen. So he comes and says, here's the Marine with the weapon. He says, pick up your weapon. And it's the word of God and prayer. And look at what he says in verse 18. Look at these four alls. With all prayer, there are multiple kinds of prayer. Sometimes the kind of prayer that I need in my battle is a prayer of confession. Sometimes it's a prayer of resistance. Sometimes it's a prayer of intercession for my children or for somebody else. Sometimes it's a prayer of supplication. All of those prayers we kind of talked about last night in the Lord's, yesterday in the Lord's Prayer. So I need to be ready. I need to know how to use each of those tools in prayer. So that's why we have this prayer conference, is to learn how to take up the weapons of our warfare, which, by the way, are mighty through God, through the tearing down of strongholds, and pick up those weapons and go to battle with the enemy. All kinds of prayer, he says, and here's the answer to the question we started with. When do I pray? At all times in the Spirit. Now, folks, I don't know what it's going to take for us to get this. But you and I, if we're going to be effective for the kingdom, must pray without ceasing. That means at 2 o'clock, you need to be praying. 3 o'clock, you need to be praying. You're in a conversation with somebody, and you're talking to them, but you're talking to Jesus at the same time. At 5 o'clock, you need to be praying. I'm not talking about you have to get down on your knees. You're just moving, and this is what he's talking about, in this atmosphere of the Lord's presence, and you're having a running dialogue with him all day long. You're driving home from work, and... Uh, and you're about to walk through the door, and you're praying, Lord, as I walk through, I'm tired, it's been a long day, but Father, I pray that my life, the light of God, would walk into this home right now. I pray that I could bless my wife, bless my husband. I pray that I could speak into the lives of my children. I pray for your protection over this home. I pray that tonight would glorify God. I pray as I go to this luncheon with this business associate, Lord, that you would speak through me and shine through me. And as he's talking and sharing his life, I'm praying, God, is there anything you wanted to say to him about the gospel of Jesus Christ? All times praying in the spirit.
right? And you can't let up. You're in warfare with an enemy. So with all kinds of prayer, pray at all times with, here's the third all, all perseverance. In other words, we don't quit. Can I say something right here? Some of you in this room have had a hurt. Anybody ever ever been hurt? (laughs) Somebody back there raising both hands and both legs. If you haven't been hurt in life, just keep keep breathing. Because it's going to come. People hurt us, things hurt us, tragedies hurt us. Let me tell you, can we just expose him? Let me tell you one of Satan's greatest schemes. He whispered in your ear sometime years ago, God is not good. That's all he had to say. If, he, if God had been good, why would he let you go through this? You can't trust him. And if you don't think God is inherently good, you will never trust him. And if you never trust him, you'll never follow him. And Satan has got you. Right? And in a time of tragedy or difficulty or hurt in your life, he's whispering that about the character of God, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And he also may be whispering to you, you remember you prayed about this, and God was silent and did nothing. So prayer doesn't work. And somewhere at a point of your hurt a long time ago, you quit praying, really praying. Now, folks, listen, it's Satan's scheme. And are you going to let him do that to you? Are you going to read the Word of God and understand that there is evil in this world? Things happen. We live in the, the evil day, and we get touched by all of that. But God is good, amen? And prayer works, and he hears and answers our prayer. So pray with all perseverance. Keep praying and never keep quit praying. And then he says, for all the saints. I want you to do something. I want you to turn to the uh, person next to you and I want you to say this to them. You really need my prayers. You know why? Because you do. When, when the military group sets a perimeter about their camp, I've been told this. They set a man here and a man here and a man here, and that man's job is to look forward, but not just forward. He looks to the left and he looks to the right. And so there's covering, right, all around the perimeter of that camp. Sherwood Church needs to be a covering church. And we're praying all the time with all perseverance for all the saints, for all the saints, and particularly those men and women that you know that are on the front lines of the battle. That's why you pray for your pastor and your staff and your deacons and your Sunday school leaders, for all the saints. But listen, one final thing I want you to see that's most important. We have an unceasing battle 
enemy, which leads to an unceasing struggle. And we've got to put on the full armor and take up prayer to win this battle. But ultimately, the reason is not just about defense. It's about offense and the advancement of the gospel because we have an unceasing mission. Now, Paul talks about this. There's no mystery about our mission in the church. You know what our mission is. It's to preach the gospel of Christ to every creature, to make disciples of every nation, baptize them, and teach them the things I've taught you. We, we don't have to understand what the mission is. This is my mission and why the Lord leaves me on the face of the earth to evangelize and make disciples of people from every tongue, tribe, nation. Whether I engage it or not, whether I want to do it or not, whether I understand it fully, you have a mission from the commander-in-chief. And that's why Paul comes at the end of this passage. And he says, you put on the full armor, you take up the word of God, and the, which is the sword of the Spirit, and you pray unceasingly. And then he gets to the ultimate point. And he says in verse 19, and... Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do you know almost every time in the New Testament when Paul asked people to pray for him, he asked for this. You don't hear him asking for comfort. You don't, you, you don't ha ask him in the Philippian uh, jail. You don't, you, you, I mean, in the Roman jail when he's writing the Philippians. Uh, I'm in prison. Uh, pray that I'll get out of here. He says, no, I'm delighted. The whole Praetorian Guard has heard about Christ because of my imprisonment. 5,000 people. Pray that I'll be bold. Pray that I'll be bold. And look what he says. Prayer is not merely about getting a few things or having a nice life or being helped out when we're in a jam. It's all that, but it's about bringing in the kingdom of God and bringing people into the kingdom of God through my prayers and my witness. There are millions of people who are enslaved, listen, behind enemy lines. And God has raised up an army by his grace. And you're part of that army. We have the message that can instantly release them. Just like that. The moment they're saved, be released from the enemy's camp. And we, uh, they cannot be delivered unless we bring the message to them. And the thing that makes all of that powerful is the power of unceasing prayer. So... Here comes Paul, and he pleads with him for two things. Don't miss it. He said, pray that I will open my mouth. Now, folks, can I get real just simple? You know why the gospel is not going out in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and Albany, Georgia, in the way that it should be? This is very simple. We don't open our mouths. We just don't open our mouths. One time my brother Jim said, he said, you know what? He said, I've decided 
to begin to live with unguarded speech. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, you're at the car place and you're thinking about buying a car and the guy says to you, uh, why don't you buy it today? And you say, what you're thinking is, I need to go home and pray about this and talk to my, the Lord about this and my wife and I think about this. But what comes out of your mouth is, I've got to think about it. I just won't open my mouth. I'm afraid, I, I'm afraid what's he going to think of me? I'm so interested in my reputation and what people think of me that I don't open my mouth and give them the one thing that could take them instantly from this slavery to the enemy. Open my mouth. What would happen this week if 1,700 people from Sherwood uh, Church just opened their mouth? Every day. You are just gossiping the gospel all over Albany and beyond. And he said, pray that I will open my mouth and that I will make known with boldness the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel works, folks. That's not the problem. It's got to be proclaimed. You have to open your mouth. John Piper speaking about this, said the number one reason, and don't miss this, why prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is that they turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. Until you believe that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. It is as though the field commander, Jesus, called in the troops, gave them a crucial mission, go and make disciples, and handed each of them a personal transmitter coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters. And then he said, comrades, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he has authorized me to give each of you personal access to him through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter to give tactical advice, to send in air cover when you or your comrades need it. But what have millions of Christians done? They have stopped believing that we are in a war. There's no urgency, no watching, no vigilance, Vigilance, no persevering, no strategic planning, just easy peacetime and prosperity. And what did they do with the walkie-talkie? They tried to rig it up as an intercom in their cushy houses and cabins and boats and cars, not to call in firepower for the conflict with a mortal enemy, but to ask the maid to bring another pillow to the den. Your life and your service for the King who saved you, by the way, and gave his life to take you from hell to heaven and death to life. Your life and the opening of your mouth clothed with the full armor of God.
praying at all times is vital to the advance of the kingdom of God. And that's why you must pray without ceasing. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you would. If you're here this morning and you would say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to make me a man, a woman of unceasing prayer. And Lord, I want to open my mouth for the gospel. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are and come to this altar. I want to be a person, oh God, I want to be a person of unceasing prayer. And I want to open my mouth and proclaim the gospel to set the captives free. I wonder if you would begin in this moment in prayer with a confession. Lord, forgive me for my prayerlessness. Just tell him that. And maybe you need to join me in this prayer. Lord, forgive me for my quietness about the gospel. When lives are at stake behind enemy lines, Forgive me for thinking this Christian life is just about me and my comfort. And so, Father, I want to come. And if I could, if we could, just lay our hands on every person at this altar. And, Father, we pray together in the name of our great Commander-in-Chief. Lord Jesus Christ, oh God, make us people of unceasing prayer. I pray that, Father, from this weekend, something would click on, something would change, something would turn in our attitude towards this life. And we would realize the intensity of the battle, the greatness of the struggle, but the glory of our victorious Jesus and what you have placed in our hands. And I pray, Father, that we wouldn't get to heaven and, and, and the Lord say, well, why didn't you pray? Oh, God, please, no. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, you would make us men and women 
and we don't even understand this, we don't even know what all this means, but that would pray without ceasing all day long, that every conversation would include prayer, that every thought in my mind would be bathed in communion with you. Everything that I watch would be determined by what you're saying to me in prayer. The words that come out of my mouth would be directed because I'm communing with the commander-in-chief. And we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that that these people at this altar, you, God, would make them people of unceasing prayer. And Father, beyond that, we pray, open our mouths. Open our mouths. Lord, tomorrow, this afternoon, with a waiter at lunch, with a business associate, Father, just show us what it means. And Lord, we pray that we would have boldness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we stand against the devil's schemes that says, well, you're not, you, you're not good enough. Well, we're no, none of us are good enough. And we stand against his schemes that says, well, you're not well-trained in how to share the gospel. If we've been saved, Lord, we can share the gospel. We can tell them what Jesus did for us. So we stand against that scheme. We knock that lie down right now. And Father, we pray in the name of Christ that Sherwood Church would become the most gossiping gospel church in the nation. Open our mouths that we may proclaim boldly with no concern for what anybody thinks about us, for our reputation. If we're known as fools for Christ, Lord, whatever it is, we want to do our job and so Lord we pray that you would take us there in mighty victorious ways because yours Lord is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and all God's people said Amen, Amen.